Hi there, welcome to Ed's Up, the podcast all about children and those who care for them. I'm Dr. Melody Musgrove. And I'm Dr. Kathy Grace. We're with the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. Since today's our very first episode, we'd like to tell you a little bit about ourselves and about the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning. Kathy? The Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning is actually housed at the University of Mississippi in Oxford, Mississippi. We are fortunate enough to be in partnership with the School of Education and the North Mississippi Education Consortium with some funding partners such as W.K. Kellogg Foundation and the Phil Harden Foundation as well as others. The purpose of the center is to provide support and education to teachers, parents, grandparents, anyone interested in the well-being of children, primarily birth to five. We hope through the podcast to spread our opportunities for learning uh, beyond just what we can do here on campus and to reach people all over the country. There will be several segments in each podcast. Um, The highlight of each episode will be an interview with a person who can speak from personal or professional experience about the day's topic. We'll be speaking with a wide range of fascinating people. We've got respected experts, famous people, elected officials, and others who are working to address some of the challenges facing young children in today's society. And we'll end each episode with what we're calling the lit bit, lit being short for literature. And we'll give you a poem or rhyme that you can share with your children because children love rhyming and it's a great way to build language and imagination and to help children appreciate words and books at an early age. So whether you're a parent or a grandparent, a teacher, a college student, or just someone who cares about children, we'll have something for you in each podcast. Melody and I are big fans of Seth Meyers, and so what we're hoping to do is to take his idea, and that's a shout out to Seth, and uh, use it in a way that will help communicate some information to the audience, and also to do some reevaluation of what people have commonly thought about the development of young children. But we hope to do it in somewhat of a fun way so that you don't go to sleep in the middle of the segment. (laughs) Melody, did you know that some people still think that young children really don't learn anything until they start school? No way. They must not have heard that brain scientists have determined that the area of the brain that allows us to develop language forms between birth and the age of three, and that talking to babies is how that part of the brain gets stimulated. Well, you know, along those same lines, did you know the term used in tennis is also used in helping babies develop conversational skills? Seriously? What did tennis and babies learning to talk possibly have in common? Well, there's a term that the scientists use, serve and return. And if you've ever been to a tennis match or you hear the tennis commentators on television, they always talk about the serve and the return. Well, scientists now have figured out that babies learn from the serving of the parent with regard to the language that they speak to the baby. And then they return in the sounds that they make or even in the beginning of the words that they try to. So if the parent starts with the birth of the baby to say oh you're so cute oh you look like me blah 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 then the baby makes a sound back that's the first conversation that the baby actually has most people don't think that is a conversation but in fact that is the very first time babies and their parents begin that whole system of communicating but Kathy do babies really understand what an adult says at that early age I know that this is hard for people to believe, 
But babies don't necessarily understand the words, but they learn and understand the tone of the voice, the facial expressions of the parent, and even a scientist has gone into nurseries within 20 minutes after the birth of babies and made faces at them, and guess what, Melody? What? The baby makes the same face back at them. Amazing. And this is something that has revolutionized the whole thought about how much babies can see. So... It's good to pay attention to some of these things because it helps parents to get on the case as soon as possible so that their babies can be the true geniuses that every parent thinks that they are. Well, I can see that you're not kidding about brain development, and I'm sure we can talk about this more in upcoming weeks, and I really look forward to talking about it. This particular section we're going to move into is what will normally be our interview section. And since this is our first podcast, we thought, who better to interview than ourselves? And so Melody's going to spend the first few minutes here telling a little bit about her background, how she came to be who she is and why, and then she'll throw the ball to me and I will spend a few minutes explaining a little bit about who I am. Right. Thanks, Kathy. So my parents were both public school teachers, and uh, so I was raised being a champion of the underdog in tiny little school districts in Mississippi where my parents taught. Uh, I was raised in Simpson County. And my dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was a senior in high school. And he had always been a very healthy, athletic guy, played college football, served in World War II. And that uh, disease really had a profound impact on him. So my entire adult life, my dad was in a wheelchair and struggling really with a lot of issues around his health. My mother was his primary caregiver. Daddy, of course, we Southern girls call our fathers Daddy our whole lives, and Daddy lived to be uh, 85, and uh, like I said, was really a fighter, and so I think watching him deal with disability, watch the challenges that he had with accessibility, uh, with the way people viewed disability, I'll tell you a quick story, Kathy, about, you know, Daddy always uh, stayed very tight with the people that he played football with in college and people that he was in World War II with, people that he went to to college with. And uh, that first year after he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, his football player buddies who were like uncles to me had a little reunion every year around homecoming and so I went to that and that was the first time that daddy was in a wheelchair for that event that they had every year and I remembered watching the the guys that I'd known my whole life talk to daddy and they talked loudly to him I thought what is that about you know he he can hear just fine but his his body doesn't work like it used to and I learned at an early age that there's kind of an assumption that people get that if there's one thing wrong with people there might be a whole bunch of other things wrong so that really taught me a valuable lesson about how to view I think disability Uh, I got a bachelor's degree from Mississippi College now I will tell you in the interest of full disclosure I'm not one of these people who you know spent my whole life knowing that I wanted to be a special education teacher I didn't Um, I was a my undergraduate degree was in secondary English and I went to get my first job and I applied for you know an English job and the school said well we don't have an English job but we've got a job in special education and back then they would give anybody uh, basically who had a pulse a job in special education so um, I took my first classroom and immediately fell in love and knew it was what I was meant to do was to work with children with disabilities and so I got a master's degree in special education and then a doctorate uh, from Southern Miss in educational leadership and began working in rural school districts around Mississippi and then was fortunate enough to become a school administrator and then a district administrator and 
in 2001, I became the director of special education for Mississippi Department of Education. And that was quite an eye-opening experience because I think I thought that all school districts were kind of like the school districts I had worked in and that they all you know, were really good. And I learned that there were some that were really struggling to meet the needs of kids with disabilities. And parents were upset and districts were upset. There was no trust between the State Department and school districts and parents. So we, I think, made a lot of progress in trying to build those relationships. And I learned the importance of allowing people, no matter how vocal they are about opposition or or being critical, they're the ones you need at the table. So we started bringing people in and try to have open conversations, and that's a practice that I've always continued. And in 2010, the highlight of my career was to be chosen by the White House to be director of the Office of Special Education Programs for U.S. Department of Education. And so I went to Washington and had a great experience, got to visit a lot of different states and territories and schools across the country. And it was really, really great um, to get to see the same issues that people struggle with, and um, whether it's dealing with you know, young children with disabilities or secondary transition, there are so many issues that are really challenging, and you know, we really try to focus on improving results for children with disabilities. It's not, you know, there's a lot of process behind special education, and you know, it's not getting the process right isn't enough if children aren't learning to read and do math and graduate from high school and get the services that they need. So um, now. Joined the faculty here at Ole Miss in 2016, and it's great to be back home. And I look forward to the podcast and the future uh, conversations that we're going to have that I hope are going to be meaningful to our listeners. Kathy? Well, I guess I took the non-traditional route. Uh, I was one of these young people who thought when they were in high school that they had the world figured out. So I was one who eloped with my high school hunk at the time, and uh, went to Hernando, Mississippi, and got married, and I was 16. Within the year, I was a mom, and he had split the scene to go play football at a college, which was short-lived, but nonetheless, and uh, so I was faced with uh, getting my high school diploma through correspondence courses, because that was before the days of GED, so I worked in finished that and then uh, knowing that there was a baby to support uh, I went into a vocational program and actually became a certified laboratory assistant and worked for two general practitioners in rural Arkansas and learned a great deal about people and about uh, the psychology of of people those who uh, had some real troubles but managed to smile through them and make it work and others who didn't have very many troubles at all but thought the world was going to end so I had always wanted to teach school going back to my third grade experience when believe it or not there was such a thing as a teacherage where I went to school in rural Crittenden County and the teacher that was my third grade teacher had an accident where she burned her arm very badly and so the principal and the teacher determined that I along with another student would teach the class for two weeks while the teacher recovered and so during that time we taught the class and with the principal checking in periodically but believe it or not the students did what we asked them to I guess they were in shock that we were doing the teaching, but I really thought at that time this was for me. Well, with the detours that had come along that I've already described, 
I worked for the doctors for two years, and then I knew if I was going to go to college to be a teacher, I had to go then. So because of very supportive parents, I went to the University of Arkansas with child in hand and uh, got my degree in early education, elementary education, and came back home to eastern Arkansas and taught in a elementary school in the middle of a cotton field called Wedlock Elementary in Edmondson, Arkansas. And I did that for a couple of years and uh, actually uh, learned some more about children and the issues around children in poverty and the lack of resources that so many schools face even today that are in locations that most people have never heard of. So moving from there, I determined that I was going to go back to school, get my master's at Arkansas State University in early childhood, which I did. And that was my first experience writing a grant. And so during that time, I realized that if you can put your thoughts on paper and you can help people, then that's a good thing to do. So I ended up in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, I was married and went to Delta State University there with my husband and taught in uh, elementary school in Cleveland. A thousand children uh, had a Title I designation, and uh, it was a very poorly kept school. There were 99.9% African-American students, and so we were uh, pretty well the afterthought of many people in that running that school district so all that is to say moving from there I went into the decision to go to school here at the University of Mississippi and I was able to get some fellowship dollars receive my degree and then have had many other jobs along the way including Department of Education in Mississippi as the early childhood coordinator working at several universities and have a 60th birthday present to myself when I went to Washington and worked for the Children's Defense Fund for a few years. And then I came back home and did some work over with the school district before I came here to Ole Miss. And so now co-directing this center with you and working with the consortium on providing educational experiences for teachers as well as principals who are out in the field currently teaching. Since Melody and I both have a background in rural schools and uh, my personal opinion is that children and families in rural parts of this country have somehow been neglected when decisions are being made at the federal level in terms of health or education or mental health. And uh, so today we just want to call attention to the fact that we have many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands of children in rural settings across this country and that resources seem to be more limited from time to time when those services that children that are identified for children are needed. There's concerns that there's going to be cuts made to SNAP or food stamps. There's concerns about how education dollars are going to flow back into the states and whether or not that could mean a negative for rural districts. There's also concerns about teachers who are doing their best to get professional development, but they're limited by the lack of broadband. And we could go on and on. But the main thing is that we want to call attention to the fact that rural kids matter and their families matter. And some of the things that we're going to talk about as we move into the different podcasts will have some special meaning for children in rural areas, but we're not going to leave out the urban kids. Uh, but I think that we just want today to look at the information that's coming out of Washington with potential cuts to the most vulnerable children in our country, and many of them happen to live in rural areas. So, Melody, what you got? 
So, all right, we're going to close out with the lit bit, which is uh, the literature bit. And today we're starting with a poem by the famous and late Shel Silverstein, Hug a War. I will not play at tug of war, I'd rather play at hug a war, where everyone hugs instead of tugs, where everyone giggles and rolls on the rug, where everyone kisses and everyone grins, and everyone cuddles and everyone wins. A sweet poem by Shel Silverstein from FamilyFriendPoems.com. Thank you for joining us today for Ed's Up. We're always interested in stories about children and those who care for them. If you'd like to share your story, email us at edsup at olemiss.edu. Until next time, bye-bye. Ed's Up is a production of the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. The views and opinions of podcast participants are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the university, its employees, or any affiliated entity. 